This week on Low Earth Orbit, we review Dear Mr. Watterson. My mom was always trying to get me to read, and uh, I wasn't really into books with words, so to speak. My first and only crime, I shoplifted this book. <laughs> and I found this book of complete Calvin and Hobbes. It was in English, but I said, I don't care. I'm going to learn this language just to understand this book. My initial impression when I saw him was that the, the, the guy's making it harder for the rest of us because he's setting this ridiculous standard of, of excellence that hadn't been seen since the Pogo years in drawing. He just took this idea and just blew it up into this wonderful relationship. Here was a strip that was much better drawn than anything in the papers, that had a really fresh perspective, and it just took off. Welcome to Low Earth Orbit, episode 21. I'm Steve Marmon. I'm Scott Stevenson. I'm Justin Voss. And today we're going to talk about Dear Mr. Watterson. So Dear Mr. Watterson is a documentary film directed by Joel Allen Schroeder. It's also edited by him and stars him. And it was actually originally funded by Kickstarter, also coordinated by him. <laughs> so um, this is a documentary about the uh, comic strip Calvin and Hobbes. And it's mostly a sort of an exploration of Calvin Hobbes, uh, sort of uh, talking to people that were fans of it, um, going back to the hometown where uh, Bill Watterson lived, and meeting the people there, people at the comics, at the publisher of the comic strip, and kind of generally kind of exploring sort of the the fans and the universe that have been created by Calvin and Hobbes. Um, so, given that, let's start with Justin. What do you think? Um, I thought it was interesting. I actually kind of went in with pretty low expectations because uh, Scott Kurtz, who uh, writes and draws PvP online, uh, I follow him on Twitter, and he had some really, really negative things to say about this documentary. And um, so, were they about the documentary, the the people behind it? I mean, um, he uh, just basically thought it was nuts that there were all these people who are like. Um, like trying to find, you know, Bill Watterson mm-hmm. and like obsessed with like all this stuff. And, and you know, <clears throat> Kurtz's opinion is that he's supposed to be left alone. So just leave him alone, mm-hmm. you know. And it was just – and he also thought it was kind of hypocritical like um, that some of the things they talked about like merchandising and stuff, which we, we can talk yeah. about later. But so I went in with pretty low expectations. I thought it was good. I think that there were there were a lot of people in here who I didn't understand why they were on it. Like I understood why the cartoonists were on there. I understood why like the cartoonist preservation people were on there. But there are a couple other people where I'm like, did you just happen to know the guy who made this documentary? Like, why are you on here? So it's okay. You know, I think that I came away from it. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Calvin and Hobbes. I you know, thought it was cool to sort of see some of this stuff. But I do get the impression that sort of maybe, maybe Watterson is right to like shy away from all of this. Like, it seems like there's like this mania and, you know, all these people like looking for him and doing all this crazy stuff. And I kind of have a hard time blaming him for, you know, wanting to just sort of run and hide from all of this because it seems insane. So I don't know, but it was cool. Uh, I liked watching it. What about you, Scott? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not nearly as hardcore fan as some of the people portrayed in the documentary. I'm, I don't think I own any of the books, but it's, it's one of those things where I would encounter in the newspaper or encounter with the books and always fully enjoyed reading it. And, um, I don't think I ever crossed over into sort of like the level of these, of the folks in the, in the film. So I, you know, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. 
I think it, the, my favorite parts of it were um, the, the motion graphics stuff that they did was really super cool because they would they would do this great effect where they would draw the outline of one of the strips and then they would do motion graphics to sort of fill in his his really gorgeous watercolors and I always enjoyed that and I liked also a lot of the the discussion about sort of the inside baseball comic book in, or sorry comic strip industry you know what some of the implications were of you know shrinking strips and what how the dynamics had changed in the 80s and the 90s and what it means for newspapers going through their their trans transformation um all that stuff i thought was really interesting i i think i kind of justin kind of hinted at it a little bit the fact that bill waters there's sort of this implied thing i think that you expect bill waterson is somehow going to be in the movie and the fact that he is not and there's not even an, as far as i can tell an attempt to, to contact him it did feel a little bit like well would he want this made you know and it's sort of strange because you you the best parts of the movie are his creations you know so you're seeing his strips on screen you're seeing his paintings everybody's talking about how great all his stuff is as if he is not alive but he's fully alive <laughs> and and it, it's it felt a little off in terms of that so you, you just kind of have to go in knowing that that it's sort of like well they, they're doing this whole documentary or they're interviewing all these people probably in the same town that he is in right now and it was interesting to, to see like one of the, the scenes i really enjoyed was when they showed the back of one of the collection books, it was the downtown that he lived in, you know, and, and showing the come to the forest that were the inspiration for the artwork. So all that stuff was cool. I, th- I think if you take, in my mind, I kind of separate the experience about finding out more about the industry and, and more about Calvin and Hobbes and the history behind it. Uh, and it, it kind of, it's funny because a lot of the philosophy of, you know, what they're talking about with Calvin and Hobbes is like a lot of this stuff is happening in this, this kid's head, you know, is Hobbes real or is he not real? In a way, I kind of felt that was the same with the movie where it's like, I felt like a lot of the movie was sort of happening in the director's head because there was scenes where it's like, there's nothing really happening here. Like he's, he's looking at the strips and mm. it's kind of like, I feel like I'm like, I like snuck into some room where he's like reading Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> and it's kind of awkward from that perspective. Um, but I, I think it was, I, mean, I think it was really genuine. You know, I think he, he really loves this thing and he was really going to great extents to, find all these people and talk to them. And I think basically, you know, with, with indie game, the movie, I think even if you're not really a video game person, you, you take away something really awesome from that. You know, you can look into this world and find out more about it. And it's a really gorgeous and, and fantastic soundtrack. That movie, this, I think you have to be a fan, but I think if you're a Calvin Hobbes fan, you should definitely check it out just because there's all the stuff that maybe you didn't know about. I certainly didn't know about so you know it, it it's good, um, but I, I think I think the only weird thing that it, I was left with was the thing that makes the movie really awesome is the stuff from Bill Watterson and the fact that he wasn't part of the cast of people that were interviewed or and I don't even know if he was consulted on the movie makes it feel a little off. You know, it's kind of like, well, would he want this made? That's the whole know? point, right? I mean, yeah. the whole point of the movie is the fact that he doesn't want to be consulted right. or can't be consulted because he won't return phone calls. Like that's right. that's like. Part of the reason why this movie, I think, exists is because, you know, he is just sort of taking himself off the map, you know. And yeah. So, like, I think that sort of fuels some of this, like, obsession, you know. Because I think somebody even in the movies, you know, said it. They were like, the, the fact that he is so reclusive adds to the mystique of the whole thing. Right, where yeah. it's like, you know, that's – so I think that's 
That's kind of the point. I mean, I I didn't think that he would be in there. The thing I thought was surprising is that there's not even a photograph of him. Anywhere yeah, there. that's true. Yeah, like, there's I, cartoons of him. Yeah, he's he has done self portraits yeah. of himself. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually seen a photograph. Like I don't, I would not be able to recognize him on the yeah. street. Like so. Yeah, I, I was actually kind of. I, I was. That's one thing I, I was taken aback most by was that it's called Dear Mr. Watterson. And yet, it occurred to me when I was watching this, I had never seen a picture of him, yeah. and I had no idea what he looked like, and that was not provided by the, by the movie. And it was it was really weird, because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Calvin Hobbes, uh, part of the reason why we're reviewing this show. <laughs> um, and I, I was hugely identified with Calvin growing up, you know, and it was a huge, like, I have all the books. You have pet you know, tigers and... No pet tigers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, plenty of pet cats. No. But um, no pet tigers. But I was just like, you know, I, I love Calvin Hobbes. I read them over and over and over again. I was just like, I found it so profound as a kid. I, I found it profound that a comic strip could be profound did, as a kid. Did you have the experience of reading it as sort of the surface level kid thing and then coming back later and getting more of it? Or did you, did you come into it late enough that you understood the subtext? Yeah, I came into it. So, I mean, I was uh, more than late enough that I sort of miss, you know, like I wasn't really there for the, when it was actually like happening, you know, like when it was coming out initially. So actually I started reading it after it was actually completed. Mm-hmm. I was probably like um, maybe 10 or 12 when I started reading it. Okay. And I remember being like, like, sort of enjoying it initially for the intolerable comic, but like, it wasn't, it, it didn't take, take require like multiple reads to go and like be sort of struck by the profound, like, profundity mm-hmm. of it. It was like, I mean, some, some of the episodes, some of the issues, or the, come the comics are just literally like, you know, gags. Yeah. But some of them are really profound, you yeah. know? And I remember being like struck by that, that, that they could be profound, mm-hmm. you know, and at the time, you know? And so it didn't, re- I reread them many times, but mm-hmm. it, it didn't, it didn't come back later for that. One of the things, like, I mean, I wasn't, I was a huge fan of it, but I wasn't like obsessive about like sort of like the sort of meta level of it. Like, who was this, who who was the Watterson, and like you know what what did it, you know what did it take to make so, Calvin Hobbes and so all this stuff? When you say you're a huge fan of it, you mean the books or the movie? The books. Okay, huge fan of the books. But I mean, I wasn't like obsessive about like who Bill Watterson was or anything sort of like on a meta level. No, I just really enjoyed the comics you know, themselves. And so one of the things I was most struck by was that the movie had almost no information that I did not know. Mm-hmm. I'd never like researched Calvin Hobbes, but I was aware that like it wasn't licensed. I was you know aware that he was sort of a recluse, you know, and I was aware you know that like he actually stopped specifically because he didn't want Calvin Hobbes to become old, to become too familiar, to mm-hmm. sort of lose the magic because people were sort of overwhelmed by it and became you know and and sort of lost its magic. He didn't want it to become Garfield, you know. You know, I I, I love all that. You know, I really appreciate. I really like respect him for that. But at the end, I was like, wow, it's this whole thing, and I learned nothing. Zero. It was just, like, 90 minutes of people, like, fawning over Calvin Hobbes, which I, I, I love Calvin Hobbes, but I didn't actually did not enjoy it. I felt like it was, so, I was, I wanted some glimmer of new information. And there was, there was, I mean, there was the tiniest bits here and there, you know, about the shrinking and stuff. But even, even then, I, had, I kind of, you know, was aware of that, that as well. And there was, like, there was really... Maybe this is kind of the same indie movie problem that I had with that movie, with that as well. That I, I watched the whole thing, watched it, waiting for some sort of like behind the scenes bit, you know. Well, and you, and you said in that you did like the small bits they had, like how how does level design work? And yeah, and I feel like even that was like was like missing. Like I want I want to know well, what does it take to become syndicated? Because they, they mentioned that you know well he you know he had struggled for a while to do comics. You know he'd written sort of these like comics for mm-hmm. local paper and stuff. Like well what did it take for him to get to be nationally syndicated? You know there aren't that many nationally syndicated comics, so yeah. it seems like something big has to happen. Like do you have to like do you make a pilot for syndication? Do you like do you have to hold do the whole like effectively book worth of comic strips to like convince them of it? Like, what do you have to do? And they talked to the people that, at the publishers, mm-hmm. but they didn't ask that. <laughs> they didn't ask any. Like, I feel like the, the my huge frustration was they, they had all these amazing people that were from his own hometown, yeah, and that worked with him as publishers, and they didn't ask any good questions. 
Like, they just they talked about all the things that were already, like, have been covered in such depth. Yeah. To such a point that even someone who was, like, going out to look for this stuff has sort of encountered it. And they just kind of covered that. Plus, like, unbelievable numbers of people they ran into that, who, who knows where they came from, like you said. Yeah. Who just, like, are, you know, like, fawning over Calvin Hobbes. Which, and I'm like, well, I, I get it. Lots of people love Calvin Hobbes. I'm, I wasn't, like, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, give me something, something more. I, I want to, like, I want something more out of this film. And I, I couldn't get that. And I was really frustrated by that. Yeah, like, it's, it's sort of like, <clears throat> so on the surface, the question I think it was trying to, to ask and answer was, why is Calvin and Hobbes the cultural phenomenon that it is, right? Because it is kind of a phenomenon. And yeah. so, so, so why is that? I'm not sure they ever actually answered that question very satisfactorily. Like, well, because we love it. <laughs> Everybody loves it. <laughs> we love it, and we can't get Watterson to tell us anything, so that's why. And it's like, well, that doesn't really answer the question. But the thing that it could have been, that you kind of touched on, it could have been a really cool sort of like, just kind of like a biography, I guess, or like just sort of like, first this happened where he did things in high school, and then this happened where he, you know, did political cartoons for the local paper, and then this, and then this, and just basically tell us like, but in a lot more detail. Like, just, yeah. if the movie was just those pieces and not all of the fawning and, you know, t- took a lot more time to sort of talk about, like, the actual history history, like, the facts history, that could have been... It would have been better if there had been more of that yeah. and less of... They could have even contrasted with other cartoonists who were willing to talk on on, on yeah. camera about, like, well, how how they how did they do it? Right. You know, what were their struggles, you know? Like, what did they have to go through? Like, and contrast that with what he did. And, yeah, yeah, it can't it'd be better if you could actually be talking on, on camera. But there's this whole world... That, I mean, like, unlike indie games where I, I, I actually sort of get a lot of the world and I, I know a lot of the world, and I'm like, yeah, hey, I mean, you don't need to tell me. I don't know much about, or almost anything about comics, you know? And I want, I mean, even if it's not Washington specific, I want something. Yeah. And I didn't get that. Yeah. No, know? I think that's true. And the, the other thing I was sort of hoping for, similar to what you guys are saying, is I, I thought one thing that would have been fun to hear about is, well, we chose these four comics, these four strips out of the series. And they highlight just how vast, vastly different the different topics can be. You know, they could say, well, in this one, he's a dinosaur and look at the artwork and then contrast that to he's talking about, you know, geopolitical affairs and like something to say, you know, maybe you maybe you don't really understand why this is such a big deal. Here's some examples of this is why people love this. The art is gorgeous. The ideas are really big. They It's still accessible to kids. You know, something that would sort of like tear out strings and kind of say, look at this thing, you know, maybe you've never thought about it this way before, but you never really get that. You just, and the one thing they do that I think is good. And they, I think we're trying to get at this. They'll be talking about something like talking about the shrinking strip size in the papers or something. There'll be some sort of conversation going on in the audio. And then the strip you see on screen is directly relevant to that thing that they're talking about. Mm. So I, I think that was sort of an attempt to kind of bubble that you know kill two birds with one stone which is we have something that that we're talking about right now let's show you the strip that is relevant to that but let's also show you that this is not just a dennis the menace or whatever and let's let's show you why this is such a big deal i agree with what you said justin which is that if they had kind of more directly gone after that and tried to address you know pull it condense down into this is the stuff that makes calvin really special this it's not just yeah the merchandising he he didn't do that but that in itself is not enough to make a really good strip, right? That's something that happens afterwards. So why is it that people gravitated towards this? And they, they do little bits and pieces. They do, you know, it's a very, it's gorgeous. I mean, nobody can dispute that the artwork is gorgeous. Um, and it's very, it's very succinct in the, the concept that's being conveyed. But they didn't really talk anything other than very surface level description of that he's a big thinker. You know, that, that Calvin is, you know, wise beyond his years and that whole thing. And a lot more exploration of that could have been really fun. And yeah. it could have been even something that would be 
historically relevant when somebody went back to visit the film 10 years from now is they would say, oh, now I understand why people you know, thought yeah. this was such a big deal. I think the closest they came with that was their discussion over sort of lie, low art versus high art yeah. and how Calvin I itself. That. that was awesome. That was my favorite part of the whole thing was yeah. like, that discussion and, then the, and the fact that they, that they then kind of dove into the very strip and actually like talked about, like showed how Calvin and Hobbes, you know, that strip itself actually dealt with this topic. Yeah. You know, I think yes, that, that's that was, how the whole thing should have been. That was a yeah. great blueprint yeah. for, the, for the greater movie. So you you're, you're talking about the strip where they're talking about is it a comic strip of fine art painting? Is that fine art? And what if you draw, a, if you do a fine art painting of a comic strip of a fine art painting, which is totally fantastic the way that's delivered. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wanted more of that. It's yeah. Like, do, okay, that's great. You're talking about comics. Now, Take give me that same analysis on, you know, geopolitical, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, just to real quick, the, the thing I want to say is I think that is... I think that has a larger significance now with the whole, well, it's not high art because it's animated or it's yeah. a cartoon or whatever. You know, parallel to that nowadays, Pixar has changed that that equation as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, you can have animated movies for adults. It's just that you have to have material that's appropriate for yeah. adults. Yeah, well, there's, there's even this discussion happening with video games. I'm like, like Roger Ebert, to my you know, eternal surprise, could not acknowledge video games as art. You know, and there's this whole other question happening there too, where it's the same thing, you know, and like Kevin Hobbs already already addressed this yeah. 20, 15 <laughs> years ago, you know, or 20 years, whatever, you know, like, you know, and, and did such a good job of capturing that argument, you know, and uh, I think, yeah, it's it, w- it would be relevant 20 years from now. Whenever yeah. The next argument, the same kind of right. thing, you know. <laughs> Popsicle sticks are totally a high iron <laughs> Of course. Yeah, why not? Uh, the, the, there's the spot in the movie too where they're talking about how they shrank the comics down and the yeah. comic they choose is very meta in that yes. way too because the strip that one where he's, uh, Calvin Hobbes talking about oh well the comics now because they have to be so small and they have to be rearranged they're reduced to talking heads and the comic itself is talking heads <laughs> they're just standing there talking it's awesome um, and the, actually that was a really interesting section too because they, they talked about how Watterson was like Sorry, you know, I'm not going to splice up my strip into yeah. ways that allows you to rearrange it to suit your newspaper. I'm giving you this square, right. and I'm going to make a strip inside that. You're going to have to deal with it. And I thought that was pretty cool. It is cool. And that could have been a much bigger conversation because it's like, well, you know, how was he able to do this politically? And, yeah. his, and his peers yeah. weren't. Yeah, or like, I, I was you know, aware that he'd done this. Yeah. But, like, there was no, I mean, the information they gave on that particular topic was nothing more than I already knew. Like, yeah, at a certain point, he had enough clout, he could actually make this demand, and he got away with it. Right. Okay, yeah, I knew that. Well, how did he get to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, exactly. how did he get to the point where he could make those kind of demands with a straight face? Yeah, like, 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 or, why they, or even the numbers. Like, what, what, was he like, how, how did they know? Was he so much more, like, how do you measure belovedness? Like, you know, like, <laughs> he, know. That, that he could actually do this, but no one else could. Like, I mean, are there I, ratings for comics? Like, it's I a newspaper. The guy, the guy in the movie that seemed like his metric was how many newspaper editors called him wanting the comic. Because, you know, the customer ultimately is the newspaper, not the reader, yeah. right? So it's like, how many people called up United Press and said... People have been asking us about this Calvin and Hobbes. Thing. <laughs> Do you have any Calvin and Hobbes that you could send us? The phone's ringing off the hook over here. You know, they're one phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the secretary like unplugging and plugging things in, desperately unplugging and plugging. But it's nineteen fifty. But right, I think they just measured it. And it's like, well, are people asking us for it? Like, I mean, you know, how many newspapers are getting it? I don't know. But like, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a hard question to answer, though. Like, how do you measure like? I mean, Beetle Bailey is in, like, every newspaper ever. I'm not sure it counts as being beloved. <laughs> so, we love our Beetle Bailey. Uh, but, that poor guy. <laughs> but, you know, right? Um, no. uh, that's, I don't know. Anyway, so I think, actually, changing the subject, um, I think some of the really interesting parts of the movie, the parts that I thought, 
you know, made it worth watching. But the parts that actually were the least about Calvin Hobbes in particular. Yeah, yeah, you know? totally. So there was, you know, um, his name, I'm going to butcher it. I think it's uh, Stefan Pistis. He's the guy who drew, he's the guy who draws uh, Pearls Before Swine. And he, oh, he yeah, has, he was good. He several he was great, really yeah. good segments. Um, but he had this whole spot um, where he just talked about, like, it's the, all about control. Yeah, that was, was like that was really insightful. That was gold. Yeah, man, if that had been like the whole thing, money that right. would have been awesome. That was stuff I hadn't thought of. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, as an yeah. artist, you would think about that, and that that's what I hope a documentary will bring is like oh, these people do this day in day out. I don't think about these things. Here's some stuff that you don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That that show was good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that was really good, and he sort of like tried to lay it out. Where like you know he's not crazy for turning down some of that merchandising stuff because he would lose this certain amount of control if he had to make all these, you know, whatever's. But it was, it was interesting the way he did it too, because, because it wasn't like control in terms of, I want Hobbes to have this color of orange. He, right. he broke it down really fine. And he's like, listen, you don't want to necessarily live your every day, mm-hmm. having to answer six calls with people you don't like. Right. And you have to deal with them and do business deals with them. He's like, maybe he wanted to walk in the forest, you know, that, which right. is a really interesting kind of primitive way to look at it. But yeah, I, I found that really interesting, too. Yeah, so I thought that, that was great. And that's yeah. not necessarily specifically about Calvin and Hobbes, yeah. but that was just a neat way of looking at it, where it's like, oh, well, that really explains some of these motivations. And the other part that I thought was interesting was, where it, it was also the same guy, was breaking down the whole um, Peanuts yeah. merchandising thing, where he's like, yeah. you, know, you want your character on a lunchbox, you want your character on, you know bed sheets or you know all this different kind of stuff that's one thing but when your character starts selling you life insurance he has this really great great quote where he's like what if you have this friend or this cousin you know you had this cousin you've known him forever and you have this really great relationship and you go fishing and then they say i have to tell you i, I sell life insurance <laughs> <laughs> but then he's like but well, this invalidates the whole previous relationship yeah. you know it's like all this trust you'd built up is just erased instantly yeah by yeah. making well, it well, into this commercial yeah thing. like, like what well, was it all was it, it was all of this just to lead up to life insurance <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like Wow, you're totally right. Like, what if, you know, Calvin and Hobbes was on, you know, insurance commercials or something or whatever. Like, pick pick whatever brand. And, like, yeah, what if what if there's little animated Calvin and Hobbes like, trying to sell you to this? You'd hate it. Like, it'd be terrible. Like, so, I don't know. I think he's right not to have let that happen. I mean, it's sad that we, you know, you don't get the nice things, which is, you know, things like stuffed Hobbes dolls or whatever. Yeah. Because there's, like, this weird vacuum where it's, like, you get all these weird things like, you know, Calvin peeing on things or all these, like, crazy... Yeah. The stickers on the back of cars. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing is that, like, there's a there's a desire for these things. And in the absence of an officially licensed thing, people will, will do whatever they want. So, he's, you know, it's, it's sad that he maybe has even less control now by not doing it than he would have if he had done something. Well, but in know? theory, it's actually done... I mean, it, it's... Obviously, there's a lot of variation or, you know, variables here, but... I feel like if I was in that situation, I would be more okay with fans doing it. You know, if if you're if you, there's some little group of people that say, "Hey, I really want a Calvin shirt." Yeah. You know, I think the natural barrier there is if you're any kind of respectable brand name, you can't just go out and violate copyright on no, no, no. you know Calvin shirt. So I think I suspect I have no data to go on mm-hmm. here, but I'm just putting myself in in his shoes. If people just independently wanted to make their Calvin shirt, it's like, yeah, maybe I wouldn't like it as much, but it's of ocean between that and having somebody like you know Walmart out. Yeah, yeah. the, the that's not what I'm saying. I'm yeah. just saying that like you know, I mean, I think if I had created something like that and you know for whatever reason just made the same decision he did, where I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to do that license stuff, and then I see like all these pickup trucks with like you know, yeah, Calvin, Calvin peeing on the Chevy Ugh. logo or whatever. 
Like that would suck. I'd be like, you know, man, like why, <laughs> why did I bother, you know, fighting this fight to not have my character slapped on these really these things that I don't like, and now it's still slapped on things I don't like, mm-hmm. and I didn't get any of the money. It's like, uh, so I mean, I respect his decision, like you know, because he did leave a lot of money on the table, and I think and, you know, <laughs> the publisher, by the way, did not look happy that that happened either. <laughs> no, he was like, but yeah. props to him because he basically came out and said he's like, we have the right to do this if we want. Yeah, to. yeah. we don't but, have to ask for his permission. That, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, we could have done this, and we respected his respect, respected yeah. him enough to not say no and yeah. turn on the money ourselves because we would have got half the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is like a crazy deal. Like, really, half, yeah. half? Like, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Waters is doing all the work here. <laughs> half, half seems unfair. Which I think, which I think actually was part of the thing he addressed in those letters to uh, the guy who does um, um, Bloom. Bloom. I never Bloom read County. the comic, but yeah. yeah, the guy's name is Berkeley Breathed, which seems improbable. I always thought that was the name of the comic. I did too. <laughs> it's his name. Yeah. It's like, wow, okay, that's whatever. really awkward. It's like, well, what would sound less weird? Have Bloom County. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was at the bottom. You know, they they showed the segment where where Bill Watterson sent him letters, right. and at the bottom he drew pictures of Berkeley Breathed, like riding on a motorboat that was powered by money. And, you know, so kicking characters off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, By the way, know. if any character on screen out of that entire movie looked like a character from their own comics, he was definitely in that category. <laughs> he looked like a cartoon character already. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's I think it's kind of ironic, maybe, or just that the fact that he decided not to do all this stuff, and yeah. people are desperately trying to fill this void with all this bootleg yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I think I, the bootleg stuff is so much worse. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think he had a good point, though. There, there, there was sort of a line between just merchandising, mm-hmm. like, and... Like actually using your your product to sell someone else's product, yeah. And if you would have drawn the line there, as opposed to just no no, no licensing at all, mm-hmm. maybe he would be better off. You know, like maybe he had control over this if it happened anyway. You know, he didn't have to he didn't have to go the whole way, right? You know, which is kind of his point. Yeah. But in the, in fairness, I feel like the, the guy clearly sees all this stuff differently, and that's the genius of Calvin and Hobbes. So for me, you know, yes, if, if I wanted a Calvin shirt or, or whatever, I, I think I'm asking. If I wanted him to to do all that great stuff and do all the comics and and have this different perspective on life, but also want him to be normal in all the ways I want him to be normal, I feel like it just doesn't work that way, you know. So it's and I know that's not I'm kind of a straw man argument, but I'm just saying that's the thing. It's that usually when you find somebody who does this really unique piece of artwork and they see things differently and they put things together differently it follows from that logically that they're not going to have all the same values as everybody else. And they're not going to have the same priorities. And he may have looked at the, yeah, I could get $10 million, $10 million for the merchandising. He's like, okay, why? Yeah. You know what? So what, you know, maybe he had enough money for to do everything he wanted to sure. do. Hmm. That makes sense. But, the, the hypocrisy that I was, so earlier I mentioned that Kurtz, Scott Kurtz yeah. said that there was like this weird hypocrisy thing. Cause they talked about, they basically like slammed Garfield really hard. Yeah. Cause I mean, my understanding is that Garfield, the character or well, the whole strip, was created explicitly for the merchandising. Oh, really? Opportunities, yeah. Like, well, I mean, like I said, that's my understanding. So I don't, I don't citation needed. <laughs> <laughs> but my understanding is that you know Garfield was it created specifically so that it, it could be licensed for merchandise. Wow, like, I the whole character has been designed. That never occurred to me. Yeah. Um, and so you know, some people think that that's you know low art. <laughs> um, but then they turn it in the documentary, so they totally, you know, make it seem like, you know, low class that Garfield is this way. But then they kind of give Peanuts a pass, you know, for doing all their merchandising. Did they? Well, I, I felt so, like the, the Pearls Before Swine guy pretty much, I think, like slam him against the boards for that one, right? He's like... Well, the for Met the MetLife Life thing. Yeah. yeah. But for everything else, I mean, the so, well, they didn't interview Davis. So they didn't get a chance to defend his own work. Right. But they did interview... Um, 
Was that his wife? Was yes, it? the yeah. charge. Yeah, Sparky. She, by the way, did anybody know his name is Sparky? Sparky? His name yeah, was, was bizarre. Yep. <laughs> but you know, he uh, lived up in Petaluma. Just I did uh, not know that. Yeah, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. They've got all kinds of, I guess, Charlie Brown stuff up in Petaluma because that's where he was. But anyway, um, but yeah, but you know, she gets this opportunity to have this whole little little spiel about it and talking about how it's like this. It just sort of naturally happened. It's like this extension of what he was doing, and just you know, did a few to like you know, because somebody would just ask and he would just do it, and like. I don't know, it kind of felt like, you know, well, when you say it that way, it doesn't sound so bad that he, you know, sold out his characters for a million right. dollars. But, you know, but they, they didn't give, you know, Jim Davis, the guy who does Garfield, the opportunity to do the same that thing. That was, yeah, that's oh, a little We, we don't know they didn't give him. I mean, they could have, they could have tried it. Well, they, they may have, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's just, it was, it's interesting that, like, they, they definitely had a very clear opinion. This is like Garfield without Jim Davis. <laughs> 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 that may be awesome. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, I'm sorry, just were too real. Have you seen? So thinking, thinking of so you're thinking of Garfield minus Garfield. Yes. So if, if, for any listeners who don't know, this is a this is a version of Garfield where they have photoshopped out Garfield, and so it's basically just John. J- oh, John yeah. having existential existential crisis every <laughs> single strip. He's like talking to himself, and it's like all very non sequitur because there's yeah. no other character. Well, wasn't there? there? And, and in Jim Davis's like credit, he has officially authorized yeah. like the print version of this, <laughs> right. at, which, which I, I own, um, <laughs> and is amazing. I, I thought, wasn't there a version of that? My memory might be wrong, but I thought there was a version where the strips were the same. They just took out. Garfield's speaking part, and then he was still present. And then there was another version where he was just flat out out of the comic. I'm like, I'm the Garfield is Garfield's when he's flat out. Yeah, because okay. I, I thought I remember seeing somewhere it was like, like it would be a normal experience talking to your cat. Your cat's there. Mm. Your cat isn't yeah, having a fake phone conversation. So, yeah, I've not seen that one. Okay. So I bring it up to ask if you've heard of Garkov. I think it's called Garkov. I love this already. Or, yeah. So it's. I'm looking forward to the show notes so I can see this. <laughs> it's uh, the Garfield strips. But they've replaced all the text with algorithmically generated text using Markov chains. Oh my god! To do like generated Garfield strips, so they're just completely lasagna, like, lasagna, lasagna. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like the horse ebooks of Garfield. Oh <laughs> my god! So many show many show notes today. Know, so many, so many. <laughs> internet, internetception. Is that what that means? Yes. Too much internet. <laughs> um, so I mean, I, I I think I would recommend it to people that are Calvin and Hobbes fans, just because. There is some little bits of stuff that happens in there that I think is interesting. You, I mean, it felt honestly like a fairly long movie, but um, you know, if, you, if you're hardcore and you just need every little bit of Calvin and Hobbes, especially since there aren't new strips now, I, I feel like you would get some joy out of it. Uh, you just have to understand that you won't be getting deep into Bill Watterson's history. So, and I don't want to go the other way. I don't want to say this movie is better for people who don't know anything about Calvin and Hobbes because I feel like if you have even a passing you know, interesting Calvin and Hobbes. You already know everything that's in this documentary. There's some gems, you know, with some of the interviews with the other people, but this is more like Calvin and Hobbes 101 and not the Calvin and Hobbes masterclass that I think I was kind of but hoping for. I don't, I don't think that'd be true because they almost never actually explain what the strip is. They, they show a few panels in, in isolation, but I think that the part that we're talking about that they're missing is why is this so special? Never addressed. Yeah. They don't it's, really it's, ever do a good job of answering no, it. No, it's just like, yeah, there's this strip with this kid and this tiger. And that's really the entire exposition. Yeah. So I feel like that would be like the whole going to Harry Potter and having never read the books, i.e. me. <laughs> <laughs> Where you're like, I don't understand what's going on. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. I mean, okay. Well, maybe yeah. the movie's not right for anyone. <laughs> yeah. It's not right if you really like Calvin Hobbes. It's not right if you don't like Calvin so yeah. Hobbes. So, so Steve Honey Valley, you know. <laughs> Steve actually loves Calvin Hobbes. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I would say if you really love Calvin Hobbes, you should first 
you should actually read the interview that, that Bill Larson actually did <laughs> with the Cleveland Plains dealer. Apparently, the actual what? name of a like, uh, car newspaper dealer? or something like that. I don't know. Do they deal in planes? I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know. Cleveland.com is the website. Anyway, oh. whatever. He's only done one interview in 20 years, so it's really easy to find. Wow. He's just did it for a Bill Larson interview. There's only one. That's awesome. And he recently did it just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Wait, what? Or no, actually, a couple of months ago. Oh, okay. February 1st. Or actually, Still, it's like this year. That's, that's, Actually, no, I, I lied. <laughs> it's from 1985. It. No, no. It, no. It, oh, okay. it recently got like popular on the internet. I think during Fireball interview, during Fireball linked to it recently, but it's actually from 2010. I thought it was more recent. Okay, anyway, it's wow. again, again the, o- there? the only interview in the last 20 years from Bill Watterson is from the Cleveland Plains dealer. Did you did you already know about the speech he gave? I, that was news to me. The commencement. Thing? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. The the seven. The seven things that should yeah. change about comics. I had never heard about that. I've before. heard about that yeah, before, okay. but but that was also, also quite it. quite old. You okay. know? But this, he actually did a. This is it. 2010, but it's still a relatively recent. That interview. is pretty recent, yeah. And it's the only one. And then actually, I think it provides like the best sort of insight into like you know why he did what he did mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And in many ways, like answer some of the questions posed by the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then if you really want every last scrap of Calvin Hobbes... Yeah, there, there is a little, there are gems in there, but if you're like, like, like Justin said, if you're pretty up on Calvin Hobbes and a lot of the sort of history around it and stuff, there isn't really much new, and it's just a, a lot of fawning over Calvin Hobbes, and mm-hmm. so uh, you might be disappointed on it. So it really kind of depends on like how, how desperate you are for any last <laughs> scrap. Before you read the interview, there's nothing else left, well, then you should watch the movie, because there, there is a tiny bit there, but, but not much. So, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you have any feedback, you can send that to feedback at lowearthorbit.fm. You can also follow us on Twitter at lowearthshow. And uh, we'd always appreciate it if you would leave us a review on iTunes. Um, it really helps us out to gain some new listeners. And we will s- talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>